Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, you know, in our lives, there's a lie that some of us are susceptible to. There's a lie that actually you and I uh, can believe. And that lie, it's a little lie, but it's a toxic lie. It's like a little spider that likes to crawl into compartments of your life. And those compartments in your life are called insecurity and self-doubt. It likes this little lie to crawl in there, and the result of when it makes its little nest in your life, in those areas called insecurity and self-doubt, it begins to result in you saying, I can't. It begins to result in you saying, I shouldn't. It begins to result in you saying, I won't. The little lie is just two words long. It's a lie actually that I have believed at times. And the lie is someone else. The lie is someone else. I can't. I shouldn't. I won't. God could never because He just should use someone else. I'm just too ordinary. Sometimes I wonder if we stop short of being amazing for God because we have bought the lie that says God just needs to use someone else. And the dialogue for you and I, when we buy this lie of someone else, the lie of we couldn't possibly be amazing because we're simply too ordinary, we're simply too plain, we're simply too average, God should use someone else, the dialogue that often follows is something along the lines of, I'm just not smart enough. God, why don't you use someone else? God, I've just do, done too many bad things in my life. Why don't you use someone else? God, I'm too ordinary. I'm too average for you to do amazing things in me, through me. I'm incapable of being amazing for you. You just choose someone else. And if we're not careful, church, uh, isn't it true uh, that we can begin to believe that as a church? Isn't it true that it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking it should be some other church in some other place with some other people? I mean, because after all, uh, we can begin to think, oh, our church is too small to be amazing for God. It's too easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking uh, we're just average, ordinary people in an average, ordinary town. Uh, surely God... God will use someone else. Is it possible even for a little church like Whiting Christian Church to be amazing for God? And some of us have already answered that question because we bought into the lie that really what God needs to do is choose someone else. But what if you could be amazed again, church? What if you could be amazed again? What if you began to believe that God could do amazing things again? Uh, what if you began to, uh, to open up your life to believe that ordinary people could be amazing for God? 
this morning, I, I just simply want to ask this uh, giant question. How is it in the midst of our ordinariness, in the midst of us uh, trying to, to fight off a lie that says uh, someone else, in the midst of all of that, how is it that you and I as ordinary everyday people can be used by God to be amazing for Him? Uh, how is it that Whiting Christian Church, uh, a, uh, a church in a small town in Iowa, uh, how is it that we will be amazing for God? How is it that a church that's filled with everyday ordinary people and a preacher that tells bad jokes and doctors and nurses and secretaries and engineers, and contractors, and earth movers, and teachers? How is it that average ordinary people come to be amazing for God? That's the question that I want to answer this morning. And really, there's two characters in the Bible, uh, two ordinary characters, two average characters that begin to answer that question for us. Uh, the two characters that demonstrate for us this morning uh, how it is uh, that we can be amazing for God. Now, I want to warn you, some of you are going to hear their names here in a minute. And some of you are going to be tempted to think that they didn't struggle with the same lie that you and I sometimes struggle with, uh, which is someone else, but they did. And some of you are going to think, no, those are heroes. Uh, they, they weren't average. They weren't plain. Uh, they weren't ordinary. But in fact, they were. And we're going to see these two ordinary, everyday people. And they're going to demonstrate for us how it is that you and I can be amazing for God. Now, so that we can do that and so that they can demonstrate that for us, uh, so that God can show us uh, how to be amazing for Him, uh, so that all of that can come together, I'm going to tell you what these two characters do. I'm going to tell you what they did. I'm going to tell you why people uh, saw them as amazing. I'm going to show you, I'm going to walk you through uh, why people looked at them and said, wow, they're, they're doing amazing. Uh, they're doing amazing things for God. And the answer is going to surprise you. And then finally, I, I'm, going to tell, I'm going to walk you through how. How was it that they set themselves up to be amazing for God? Uh, how is it, what allowed them to be amazing for God. Now, so that you and I can figure out the answer to the question of how in the world you and I are going to overcome a lie of someone else, and that as everyday ordinary people, we're going to find ourselves ready to be amazing for God again, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Turn with me, would you please, to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. If you're looking online, there's a little button to your left. Uh, to your left, that's my right. So my right is your left. And um, it's to the left-hand side. It should say Bible. You can drop down there and go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 this morning. Go ahead, grab a Bible. 
Uh, Turn over into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts. It's all about the beginnings of the church. God has moved. Jesus has resurrected that we celebrated last week, and the church is finding its beginning. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. So the two characters that we find in Acts chapter 3 are two very ordinary characters. I know some of you are thinking, no, they're extraordinary characters, but in the world's eye, they're very ordinary. Uh, The ordinary characters are named Peter and John. And Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, they actually do an ordinary thing. They go up to pray, and in their act of ordinary, they do an amazing thing for God. They heal a man. They heal a beggar. Uh, they heal a guy who's, who's been uh, lame his entire life. Uh, he's over 40 years old. He has spent decades begging. And here come Peter and John, and they're going to do an amazing thing in an ordinary sort of fashion. If you're interested, join me, would you please, in Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth being, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to answer, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, and he was expecting to get something from them. Oh, you want me to look at you? Okay. Hoping that there would be a few cents, a few copper coins fall into his sack. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk! And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit at the temple gate begging the gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, here are Peter and John, and they're going to do a very ordinary thing. They're going to the temple to pray. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This was the time of prayer. Now, I want to draw your attention to the ordinary thing that they're doing in their life. When Peter and John go to the temple, they don't go with megaphones saying, Hello, hello everybody! I've got a message for you! No, that's not what they're doing. They don't come with gongs. They're not going around clapping. No, they're just simply walking through a gate, probably a gate that they'd been to numerous times before, and they're going to probably pray and to teach some people about Jesus. That's what they're going for. And in the midst of an ordinary sort of encounter, God gives them an amazing opportunity. You see, this guy, uh, this man who uh, the text tells us later is over 40 years old, uh, he, he has been laying there for decades begging. And Peter looks at him 
And he says, I know what you're expecting, but I'm going to tell you I don't have any money for you. And instead, he heals him. Now, I don't know if you have ever uh, been... uh, around someone who has lost the use of their legs, who has been wheelchair-bound, perhaps, for a long, long time. The legs actually begin kind of to shrivel up. There's no muscle mass. The ligaments in the legs actually begin to contort the leg. And this is where this man has found himself. He has nothing in his lower extremity to be able to do anything. And here Peter comes along, and it's an ordinary day, and he's going to do a very ordinary thing, just like you and I might go to church on Sunday. It was nothing exceptional. And with these two characters, Peter and John, going to do an ordinary thing, God gives them an amazing opportunity. And He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And He does. And it's a miracle. And this guy begins jumping around. He begins jumping around the temple as if he's like a six-year-old at a birthday party. Now here's what struck me. And here's what I want you to hear. It was in the midst of an ordinary activity that God did an amazing thing. How is it that we begin to do that which is amazing for God? We encounter God. We look for God in the ordinary. Church, is it possible Is it possible for you to begin to look at every day, to look at the ordinary as another opportunity for God to be amazing? To allow God to use you to amaze others? Uh, Will you open up your life? Will you open up your faith and allow God to use the ordinary moments in your life to potentially do amazing things for God? I began thinking of all the little ordinary things that could turn into amazing moments for God. I thought of the times that I, I walked down a hallway at work and pass a colleague. Maybe you go into where there's a little kitchenette and and you pour a cup of coffee for yourself and for someone else. Maybe it is that you're at the copy machine and and you begin a conversation while you wait for those pages to get done. Maybe it is that you're tucking your child in and there's a conversation that begins to take place in that moment that turns into something amazing for God. Maybe it is that you're sitting at the dinner table and there's conversation happening around that dinner table that God uses and you're doing something amazing for God. Maybe it is that you're driving down the road and you see somebody, and you recognize them, and you wave, and you stop, and maybe there's a conversation that begins to happen, and it's the ordinary stuff that God is ready for you to use if you'll open up the life of your faith and allow the ordinary to be used in an amazing way for God. This week as I was working through this, I I was reminded... uh, 
of the story of Everett Epperson. Now, some of you probably know that name because Everett really was the the driving force many years ago uh, to the first Christian church in Onawa, Iowa. I bring his name up because his, his story of conversion to where he came to know Jesus is amazing. As a young man, he was uh, actually traveling down the road. He was walking alongside the road, and there came to be a truck driver, uh, came along the same road, picked Everett up, and the truck driver used the opportunity of having a young man in the cab of his truck. In the moments that he had, he decided that he was going to share the gospel of Jesus with Everett. And you might say that that ordinary guy in that ordinary truck along an ordinary road and an ordinary position in life was able to do amazing things for God because he recognized the power of God and the power of a gospel. And you could say that he was instrumental in healing not only Everett's life, but all the lives that Everett's life would touch. Because after Everett grew up, he would become a preacher and his sons would become preachers and many of his grandchildren and now great-grandchildren are committed to knowing and believing and spreading and proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. Church, I know, I know so many of you are tempted to say someone else, somewhere else, It couldn't be me. It shouldn't be me. But I'm telling you right now, if you're willing and if you'll allow your faith to open up just a little bit to the ordinary, then perhaps you will find yourself doing something amazing for God because God will use the ordinary in your life. What did they do? They went to pray and they ended up healing someone. So they heal a guy. Now that's pretty amazing, but that's not really the reason that people are amazed with these two people. Why is it that people are drawn to Peter and John? Why is it that people are amazed at these two characters? Uh, They're amazed at these two characters, uh, quite frankly, uh, because they're ordinary. They're amazed at these two fine characters of the Bible because in the world's way of looking at things, these two guys are plain. I mean, if you could say that Peter and John are bagels, they're nothing more than a plain bagel with plain cream cheese, okay? There's nothing special about them, nothing that you would be drawn to them Uh, They're amazed the Bible is going to tell us because they were ordinary people. They're average Joes. Uh, Maybe average, just like you and me. Walk over with me, would you, into chapter 4. This guy has been going all over the temple and there's some things that are coming up and there's some opposition to what Peter and John are doing. But this key verse in verse 13, I want you to hear it. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were amazed. They were amazed. Why? Why were they amazed? They were amazed, quite frankly, because these two guys were unschooled, ordinary people. They were unschooled. 
They had never gone to all the big universities. They didn't have a, uh, any uh, letters next to their name. Uh, they didn't have any special certificates. Uh, they didn't have any special robes. I mean, uh, let's think about this for a minute. They, they, they didn't have any of the credentials that you and I might think they ought to have. They were just ordinary people doing amazing things for God. They were ordinary. They were unschooled, ordinary. Now, this word for ordinary, uh, when it talks about ordinary, it really is talking about the fact that they were amateurs. They were unskilled. I mean, let's think about a picture if Peter and John were to walk into our context. Uh, I mean, it might look like they got a pair of Carhartt bibs on and a pair of steel-toed boots uh, and a a ripped t-shirt and a hard hat. That's the kind of people that we're talking about here. I don't know, maybe Peter looks that way and John's got a pair of Wranglers on with a, a pair of no-name tennis shoes that he got down at Walmart with a t-shirt on with a big smiley face on it. Uh, these are plain, average, ordinary people. But they're doing amazing things for God. And so church, I just wonder, I, I wonder... I wonder if you would be amazed again. I wonder if you would begin to say to yourself, you know what? I can be used by God to do amazing things for Him. I know all of us in this room, I know all of us watching, we're thinking, we're thinking that we identify with average and ordinary For all of us, we're thinking, no, no, there's other people that are much better than I. Uh, But can I tell you that God was taking ordinary people and doing amazing things. This week, I I read, I was reminded of a little reading that I had uh, read before. It's by a guy by the name of Bob Goff in a book he uh, titled Love Does. And he wrote this, I reflect on God who didn't choose someone else to express His created presence to the world, who didn't tap the rock star or the popular kid to get things done. He chose you and me. We are the means, the method, the object, and the delivery vehicles. God can use anyone for sure. If you happen to shred on the fender a guitar or want a best personality, you're not disqualified. It just doesn't make you more qualified. You see, God usually chooses ordinary people like us to get things done. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I hope that it's a great encouragement to you to begin to think, why was it that people were amazed at Peter and John? It wasn't because they went, oh my gosh, it's Peter and John. No, they weren't doing that. They were saying, these guys are plain ordinary people, and yet they show tremendous courage, and and they're being used in powerful ways. God was doing amazing things. They were doing amazing things for God, and so can you. You're not kept from that just simply because you might put yourself in a category that says, I am everyday, average, ordinary Joe. If you find yourself there, let's join the club. But let's join Peter and John. And let's go do amazing things for God, even though people would call us ordinary.
Now they do this amazing miracle. This lame man begins to leap like a deer through the temple. I've told you why people were drawn to them, but I want to answer that key question. Uh, how? How is it that they placed themselves? Uh, how is it that they began to come around the idea that God could use them in amazing ways? How is it that they began to... Uh, to gather around their life a confidence uh, that says that they could be used to do amazing things for God. And the answer, the answer, uh, church, is really as ordinary as you and me. It's as everyday. It's as plain as we are here in Whiting Christian Church. The ordinary answer is that they hung out with Jesus. How is it that they organized around their life an opportunity for God to use them in amazing ways? Uh, how was it that, that they show us how ordinary people can be used to do amazing things for God? They worked with Jesus. Their connection with Jesus was strong enough that when other people encountered them, even as ordinary people, People looked at them and said, you've been living with Jesus. Look at the last half of verse 13 in, in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 13, that first part I read to you a moment ago, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I think there's a couple things that Peter and John do here uh, that give us kind of an idea, uh, uh, an affiliation to our life, a key, if you will, a couple of keys to how do we know that we've been with Jesus? How is it that we know that you and I have been hanging out with Jesus? Well, I think the, the first affiliation to our life, the first key to knowing that we've been hanging out with Jesus, to knowing that we have been with Jesus, is that when you're doing amazing things for God, you realize that the power in which you do those things is not from you, nor is it for you. You see, when you're hanging out with Jesus, the power that you get to do, uh, the, to be a part of, you recognize that it's not from you and it's not for you. You see, Peter, has, uh, Peter and John have just uh, healed this beggar man and, and, and there is a, a subtle moment where everybody is so amazed at everything that has just happened, uh, they probably dropped a couple dimes in this guy's bag before uh, as they have walked through the temple. Uh, everybody's astonished. And, and Peter, in a moment where he could accept self-praise, in a moment where he could go, oh yeah, yeah, uh, you know... I'm, I am pretty good. I'm a pretty good preacher. No, no, he doesn't do that. Instead, he says, I know, I know who this power is from, and I know who this power is for. Look back, go back to chapter 3, and I want you to look at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came, that's amazed, they were amazed, 
and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? He's saying so clearly, hey, we didn't do this on our own. We're just ordinary guys. We're ordinary Joes. The power that you have just seen is a testimony to who God is. When you get to do amazing things for God, you have to remember that it's from Him, and that it is for Him. When you get to do powerful things, it is from Him and it is for Him. And there is a subtle poison, gang. There is a subtle poison that if we're not careful, we'll begin to read our own headlines. When we do great things and people say, hey, way to go, we'll begin to be puffed up. Paul gives us a warning later on in Scripture. He, he begins... And he's talking about humility. And he says, be careful not to think too highly of yourself. You see, Peter and John, Peter in this awesome opportunity, he doesn't take self-praise. Instead, he turns it around and he begins in verse 13 to preach the Gospel to people. And he says, hey, I want to tell you where this came from. I know that you've seen this amazing thing. I know that you've seen ordinary people doing amazing things for God. And I want to tell you where that really comes from. It doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus. The One that you crucified. Uh, the One that you saw die on a cross. I want to tell you that He resurrected from the dead and He ascended and that we've seen Him and that it is by His power that you saw this guy uh, come from lameness to jumping around the temple praising God. It's not from us, but it is for Him. And He says at the end of all that, now, I want you to repent. And you know what? They do. You have a whole bunch of people in light of an opportunity that they had to grasp at power. Uh, they said, no, this isn't from me and it's not for me. It is for Jesus and now He wants you to repent. And can I tell you, church, that if you've been hanging out with Jesus, you're going to have opportunities with what God will give you in the ordinary things to do amazing things for God. And that when you do, if you recognize that it's from Him and it is for Him, you're going to have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people. The first item, the first key, the first attribute of your life to hanging out with Jesus is that you recognize it's from Him and it is for Him. The second key, the second attribute to hanging out with Jesus, to know that knowing that other people know that, that you have been, been with Jesus, that you know Him, that you've been working with Jesus, is that you're courageous and you're convicted even in light of opposition because amazing things have happened. You see, Peter and John have healed this guy, and this guy goes around the temple. I told you earlier, he's like a six-year-old in the birthday party, and he's telling everybody. And the problem is, this creates an angst of power for the ruling class. Uh, this creates an opposition from those who are in the temple, who rule the temple. 
Because the problem is that people are coming to believe in Jesus and they no longer have their power structure. They no longer have control. And here is this guy, this transforming power of God, uh, spreading the message of Jesus all by himself. And and so they don't know what to do with this guy. If you look in chapter 3 and chapter 4 on your own time, you'll recognize that throughout this whole story, these people don't know what to do with this guy. They keep going, well, what should we do? What should we do? And so what they do is they take Peter and John, they say, I know what we're going to do. You see, frightened people, scared people, people that don't like change, people that are afraid of things changing, uh, even if wonderful things are happening, like people are being healed, or churches are being filled, or whatever the case might be, afraid people uh, try and grasp at whatever power they have, and they try and use that power to intimidate other people people. And that's exactly what happens. On one occasion, uh, they take Peter and John and they throw them in jail overnight, hoping uh, that they'll go away. Because what they desperately want is nobody to talk about Jesus anymore. Just go away. And so they go in and they're put in jail overnight and they come back and they ask Peter And John, this question, by what power did you do this? By what power did you heal this guy? Now, I want you to know it's it's not one of those questions where they really want to know the information. They are baiting them with this question. They're hoping that the answer that they give is Jesus. Just say Jesus, because what they want to do is they want to pounce. In fact, they're ganging up on Peter and John. They have the next day an entire Sanhedrin come, and they are going to, they're going to express all of their power, all of their authority over Peter and John. They're going to try and intimidate them into not speaking about this anymore. And they are they're baiting them to say Jesus just so that they can pounce on them, just so that they can exercise their power, just so that they can try and throw them in jail again or maybe have them flogged. And I love it. I love it. Peter... Peter doesn't miss a mark, and Luke tells us, Luke tells us, the author of Acts, he says that filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what Peter does? He takes that opportunity to add conviction without compromise, and he comes back and he says, you know what? It's about Jesus, and there is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than His. I mean, talk about preaching with a noose around your neck. I mean, Peter uh, right here is so intimidated, they might, might as well have a gun pointed to his head. They might as well have had a, a knife around his throat. And Peter simply says, it's Jesus. You know you've been hanging out with Jesus when you're no longer afraid Whatever the world's going to bring. You're not afraid of any power structure, but you're looking for every opportunity to do amazing things for God. And those amazing things for God often come when you're sharing courageously and with great conviction the fact that God can do amazing things through you. How is it that ordinary, everyday people How is it that an everyday, ordinary church in western Iowa 
can come to do amazing things for God. You can do amazing things for God when people know you've been hanging out with them. You can do amazing things for God when people recognize that you work alongside Jesus. Church, they might know that we're ordinary, but you know what? Your colleagues and your neighbors and your friends and those people that you live with and work around, they might know that you're ordinary, but never again will you buy the lie that someone else should do it. And that somewhere else should do it. No, no. No. Because they're going to know. Our community is going to know. Your neighbors are going to know. Your workers are going to know. Your colleagues are going to know that you have been with Jesus. And because you've been with Jesus, you can do amazing things for God. Let me pray with you. Gracious God, I love You and I pray for all those within the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that You will fill them with a sense of, of Your love and Your conviction that You have purposed them for something. I pray, Lord, that never again would they believe a lie that says that someone else needs to do it, that somewhere else needs to do it. But Lord, that given the opportunity that You have given them, I pray that You would empower them to know that they can do amazing things for You. And I pray, Lord, that we will be amazed again at what you do through ordinary people who find themselves with you. We love you, Lord God, and we seek to serve you in every way. Amaze us. Use us to do amazing things for you. And we pray this.